This episode was brought to you by Aussie Wool Comfort. Being in this icky, uncomfortable space is unnerving at times and I think we're always defined by an experience by the component of it that's least like our normal life but also we all bring to an experience of what is our particular strengths and assets. What this trip taught me is that when I am myself there will be people who who love that and who will support me and who I will give back to and that is enough. These are the yays of our lives. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy and fulfilment along the way. Hello, lovely neighborhood. So excited to finally have our Yays of Our Lives recap for you from our incredible trip to the Northern Territory a few weeks back. You'll hear all about it in the episode, although we could have spoken for many hours longer about the experience. But to quickly give you some background, eight amazing women and two fabulous men who were capturing photos and videos spent three days hiking 55 kilometres with 2,200 metres of elevation across three of the 12 parts of the Lara Pinto trail led by Lara Pinta Culture, the only Aboriginal-owned and operated touring company in the area. Jungala, the owner and an elder in the region, and his grandson, Parula, along with Nick Fife, their mate, another legend who came to help us out, gave us the most eye-opening, immersive few days camping in the red dirt, walking through the oldest land formations in the world, they're over 70,000 years old, and sleeping under the shooting stars. I sat down with now three-time Seize the A guest, Samantha Gash, who organised this fabulous trip under the banner of her new trail-running and adventure group for women, Her Trails, along with her dear friend, Joe Nevin, who is now one of my dear friends after the trip, to give you a little insight into what it was like. As avid trail runners, these two are also heading back to the Larabinta Trail in a few months to run all 12 sections, covering 250 k's in a row unassisted, so carrying everything they will need with them the whole way, just to give you a little idea of the powerhouses you're about to hear from. They'll also chat about the return of Relief Run that they're both working away on furiously for our Yeighborhood Watch section. You may remember that my husband Nick and Samantha pulled together a global virtual run last year to run raise over a million dollars for bushfire relief and it's back again this year to support the terrifying challenge faced by India at the moment under the pressures of COVID-19. Samantha, just incidentally as one of the many incredible things she's done, has crossed the whole of India on foot, giving it a very special place in her heart and we've set up a neighbourhood team which you can join from anywhere to run anytime between the 11th and 13th of June. You'll hear more about it soon and why it is so important and I'll pop links in the show notes. I'd be so proud to have some of you on board with us too. Uh, You'll hear more about that in the episode. Anyway, enjoy the cackles and reflections. I hope it brings some yay to your week. Hello, you gorgeous humans. Thank you so much for joining. Oh, thanks for having us. This is fun. That's all right, Sarah. It's delightful to be back on the podcast. (laughs) Guys, this is Sammy's third appearance on Seize the Yay. Our listeners probably know you quite well by now, Sammy. And if you don't, you can go back to episode 47, right back in the early days to hear Sammy's story. But Joe is new to the neighbourhood and I'm so, so grateful to have met you on our recent trip to the Red Centre, which is what this episode is all about. But before we jump Jump in, Jojo, tell us a bit about you. Oh, thanks for having me on, Sarah. I'm a, what am I? I'm a, a mum of three. I'm a really passionate trail runner and ultra runner, which is how I met Sammy and eventually led to meeting you as well. I also work full time in senior management in the not for profit sector. And I'm currently, I guess the other big piece of my puzzle is I'm currently studying my MBA in leadership. So, <laughs> 
they're probably the big four things about me. Just a few things on the go. Like, yeah. A little. Easy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as you guys know, the first section of Yays of Our Lives is Quote of the Yay, where we discuss a quote that's been meaningful over the past week or week or so. And I thought it would be apt to reflect on an Aboriginal proverb and one that meant a lot to me particularly during our trip and in the few weeks that have followed since then, the proverb is, may as well be here, we are as where we are. And that's all about being present, just being where you are, when you are, and not rushing to the next moment, which is something that we were very much forced into by the beautiful, beautiful uh, Indigenous elders who led us through our trip, who explained that there is no concept for time in Aboriginal culture, which I loved. So... What did you guys think about that whole concept and surrendering to having no schedule? I kind of loved it, to be honest. I feel like I work frenetically to have pockets of window where I can surrender. Uh, Unfortunately, sometimes the intensity ramps right up before I can surrender. (laughs) And I often think, what if I just balanced out and then maybe it was just like at a slightly lower, you know, pulsating rate my entirety of my time. But I actually like the differences between being like intensely on, structured and strategically focused and thinking ahead to then having moments where the pendulum swings and I utterly get grounded to present, don't dwell on past, don't fret on what's to come and just to accept what is the situation in front of me. So, no, I loved it. Like I loved not wearing a watch and I led the expedition, you know, so you'd think that I needed to know a few more things, but I was like, no, now we're here. We're just going to be in the moment. (laughs) (laughs) We kept pestering Sammy for information, like in the weeks ahead. We were like, okay, what's the schedule? What, What parts of the trail are we doing on? What day and what do we need? And it was only until we got there and actually met Lara Pinterculture and the team that we were like, oh, you don't, answer any questions really like I thought you were being annoying Sam but I was like oh no they're just not giving you any information oh you have no idea I'd spend um hours on the phone like lining up that trip and we never talked about structure or itinerary we just talked like it was kind of nice even in those moments in the preliminary of that experience to surrender also and kind of go this is going to be different and we need different in fact like the NT tourism campaign right now is sick different and I thought that embodied what we were looking to experience as well. Yeah, absolutely. What did you think, Jojo? Yeah, I, look, I'm a huge fan of trying to embed myself in the moment. You know, I'm a yoga teacher. I love being present. But how I opened earlier is really indicative of my life. I've got a lot of balls in the air and I'm managing, this, managing schedules for loads of people and I have to work to a clock and I have to work to time. So when I take myself out, of those situations and like Sammy said can surrender I experience things twofold like being forced to be present in a moment because you literally don't know the time or know what's coming up it turns the volume up on everything you're experiencing because your mind isn't flipping about to what's coming next or what just happened before and it turns the volume down on on anxiety because I think when you're running to a clock that's such a mechanism for your brain to fast forward constantly and worry about what's next on the clock but you take the clock away and and you really disable that mechanism of worry and and thinking of what's coming up and so what you're going through is just so much more colorful and taste and smell so much richer and I think that's why yeah that experience has felt so deep because you have no choice but to experience so much more fully when you're in it. That's such a beautiful way to describe it, that it turns the volume up on things because you, I don't mm. think you even realise that your senses are being dulled by white noise until you do kind of shut it all off and think, oh, I'm actually only half smelling and half hearing and half feeling most of the time because I'm doing it all at the same time. Sammy, what was your original plan out of this adventure? Is that what you wanted to create for us all, to get sort of eight women who usually don't make that kind of space together how did you come up with the idea and what were your expectations versus how it actually unraveled well I've been liaising with Lara Pinta Culture which is the guiding company that we worked with when we were on the Lara Pinta Trail Uh, and for those who don't know the Lara Pinta Trail it's just out of Alice Springs in the Northern Territory it's an incredible 250 kilometer point A to point B trail uh, amongst the red dirt and like an incredible landscape in the heart of Australia But this organisation is the only Indigenous-owned and operated guiding company that also 
incorporate cultural awareness programming into their guiding experiences. And so, I mean, I've been hiking, I've been trail running for over a decade now, and I could have just gone and guided all of you out there. But it felt like that would defeat the entire purpose. I mean, <laughs> we could have gone anywhere in the world and that would have been, it, it, we wouldn't connect to where we were. We would just be connecting to each other and we would be operating in the same frequency in which we always do. Mm. Uh, and so I wanted to really flip the switch on everything. That was kind of the origins of it. But also, like, I wanted to support an Indigenous organisation particularly one that had had a really tough go during COVID-19. I mean, we were the first tour that went out with them in 18 months. I think they just renewed their insurances for our trip. (laughs) 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 And, like, I felt called to create that trip with them in partnership. And I'll never forget when I um, first called Jungler and we just had this, like, hour-long conversation. We went to all these different directions. The very, very end of the trip is like, where did you go to school? And I'm like, well, I went to school in Ballarat at Ballarat and Clarin College and then I went to blah, blah, blah. And he goes, I went to Ballarat and Clarin College. And I was like, what? I go, but I, 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 I thought you were from the NT. And then, like, I only realised in a couple of conversations afterwards, he's a part of the Stolen Generation and he was sent to Ballarat to live with another family and he went to Ballarat and Clarin College. Kind of, anyway, long story short, I feel like we were, were collegiate buddies. And we were meant to work together Mm. and it was just meant to be. And we've, you know, formed this beautiful friendship out there. But if I think of also the group of women that I brought out, like all of you are my best mates uh, and a lot of you didn't know each other. And so I actually, I just wanted to gift us an experience in time together. (laughs) And then I didn't have any expectations of what it would look like or what we would facilitate post. I just wanted to be in it. And now what's come out of it is like more people more women need this. Mm, I think one of the really interesting things in the week leading up to it was how many times people would be like, why are you going? (laughs) Like, what's it for? And I'd be like, I don't really know. Like we all just, Sam just kind of had this idea and we're all so trusting of any experience that you create that we were just like, I mean, Mm. she just went, fuck it, let's go. And we all went, yeah, okay. Yeah, Sam told us to. Yeah. (laughs) It's like you don't realise that you need an experience like that until someone kind of facilitates it. And that's one of your Mm. greatest gifts, Sammy, is that you do create these incredible experiences for people and create an incredible group for us to experience it with. But yeah, it's funny to go into something when we are all as busy as we are, but to actually organise to not be contactable for that long for something that you you don't know why you're there was actually amazing. That was part of my gift though. My part of my gift that I I received is all of you just said yes. And I didn't even tell you anything. Like it was <laughs> partially because I didn't know. So I didn't want to give you incorrect information. And partially because I just didn't think it mattered. Mm. I mean, I also think, you know, obviously where we were made it so much more profound than what we realized. But I also thought we could have been anywhere and had a great experience. But it, it definitely was bigger than what I thought it was in terms of how it cellularly transformed our experience in that moment. And I think moving beyond. But can Sarah, can you please tell the story? Well, like I was dodging your calls for a while. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) I was actually going to bring that up next. So basically, Sam had this idea in what, February? I think he pretty much. And of course, Joe, you'll probably feel the same now that you guys are going back to actually run the entire Lara Pinta Trail. (laughs) We only did like a small part of it. But when Sam suggests something, particularly if there are going to be other amazing women there, you just say yes and you figure it out later. The problem with me is that the beautiful part of our friendship is that usually what Sam suggests is like the opposite of what I enjoy (laughs) and am good at and that I'm comfortable doing, which is why our friendship is so valuable because you have extended my world so much. But that also means that from the moment I said yes, I was like, fuck, 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 fuck. Like what is going to be a good enough excuse to get out of this? And she knows me so well that she just wouldn't answer my calls. And it's usually the other way around. Like Sam calls, I text. And so I make seem, don't make it seem like you know, you're, hard, you're playing hard to get. She just calls me all day long. And I'm just like, <laughs> but you like, I think you knew that, especially in the two weeks leading up to it, when I realized it wasn't just going out into the Northern Territory, it was hiking and camping and no phone signal. 
I think you got the vibe that I was like, oh, how do I get out she, of this? She even messaged me a couple of days before. It was like almost like a light bulb switch had happened and you're like, oh, I'm, <laughs> I said yes to this. <laughs> do you know when it was? It was when you said, so the first day is 27 kilometres of hiking, so you're going to need hiking boots and gaiters. And I was like, like I looked up what gaiters were and I was like, where are we going that we're going to need gaiters? Like I don't own those things. <laughs> and everyone else who is a lot more versed with hiking and just being outdoors, the instructions that I gave to each of you were unique to who you are and that's that beauty of knowing your friends. Jo, I'm like, she's good. Like she just needs to buy a hiking shirt because she's never had to wear a shirt because she just normally wears a singlet top or a T-shirt. But Sarah, Sarah either needs me to give her everything. Which you did. Which I did. (laughs) Or you gave the boots and the the moxies and I said to know, like we organised an Uber because we hadn't even seen each other. I know. Like for over a year. We live in the same city, Um, although I live up in the hills, so I'm kind of had become even more hermitized. <laughs> but the only things that I already owned were things from our last experience together in The Simpson and the one before that in India. Like that's the only reason I own camping gear is because of you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why it was so beautiful that, you know, I did have that intense like regret moment of like what the fuck did I say yes to? But what about Joe at the airport? Can we touch into that? <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I was leading into is that I think many of us had a bit of oh my God, like you say yes and it sounds like a good idea, but then in the moment of actually having to create that space for yourself, particularly if it's uncomfortable, you suddenly get like, how can I get out of it? But those are the best experiences, the ones that you do have that kind of semi-regret beforehand. I can relate so much to that. That Yeah. See, I would run through the bush or hike through the bush for hours and days on end happily. I'm the opposite, but get me around a bunch of people that I don't know and I was coming up with every excuse under the sun to bail out on that as well I was like oh I think I'm sick I think work's really busy right now (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna be sick on Thursday I think (laughs) Yeah. yeah absolutely I think that moment Sam's referring to was I was sitting at the gate at the airport knowing that all of you were about to arrive and we were all about to get on this plane together and I was just looking at where I knew everyone would be walking from and my heart was just racing and Sam was the only person of the of the six women seven women that would be walking towards me that I knew and I was like I I can't do this I'm absolutely terrified right now like am am I going to fit in am I really different like this is my story this is theirs I'm I'm not going to suit this group and it was a disabling feeling and I just had to take a really deep breath and think of every self-help book I've ever read and (laughs) and I just like said to myself like I am brave like I run through the bush I do lots of badass things and I just you know I can sure as hell hug a bunch of women I don't know and throw myself in the deep end here and and honestly like it was it sounds a bit wanky but it was transformative for me to do that like as much as it was to travel over country it was yeah that was epic you were amazing joe and it was so interesting to go through that experience together of coming into it with the opposite like discomfort at extreme levels but for the opposite (laughs) reasons because being plonked in the middle of a room with strangers is like I thrive on that but being pushed to a physical limit and being outside and, and sleeping under the stars and that stuff is like the opposite of my comfort zone it was so interesting to watch us both push through that in different ways together and to come together at certain times and reflect on like how much you embrace and actually really enjoy when you have done it and mastered it and stop and think, yeah, like yeah. I'm doing it. Totally. And I think for me, like there was that element of I'll, I have to network for work and I've I've been a coach myself and I've been a presenter and run businesses and there's that element of I can do that stuff but I'd always show up as someone else you know mm. I always mask who I am and I'm presenting and I made this promise to myself that in this experience I was going to show up as me and I was just going to be myself which you all learned really quick is like a filthy <laughs> mouth like slightly spoken <laughs> you know and and I was like they can just take me as I am and if you know let's see how that lands. And it was like this little self-worth experiment for me to go, I'm going to own who I am this trip and I'm going to be uncomfortable. And and I don't know, like I, I felt so accepted by this amazing group of women for who I was and I felt really seen. And I think that gave me uh, just benefits on every level that, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't 
get that if you try. There's no therapy session that can give you that other than just like getting <laughs> uncomfortable, like just throwing yourself in and, and owning who you are. Totally. But, you know, a lot of people in the discomfort will try and mask, as you said before. It's very hard to mask, I think, for six days. But by you showing up immediately as who you were from the get-go, I feel definitely had a, a triggering effect on everyone up else to deliver that as well Mm. it was this permissive license going here's someone just being incredibly real let's just like remember that all of our shit stinks and being in this icky uncomfortable space is unnerving at times and I think we're always defined by an experience by the component of it that's least like our normal life but also we all bring to an experience of what is our particular strengths and assets And we also want to magnify those in moments as well. So it's this beautiful balance of like, we've all got great things. We've all got this other baggage and stories about ourselves. What if we just show it both? Like, what if we throw it all out onto the table right now? And I I recently did a keynote at the Business Chicks event and I got off on the stage and someone's like, thank you for just being so real. And I was like, what an interesting piece of feedback to have because I mean, isn't that just what we're meant to be? Shouldn't we just be that? And in fact, Mm. like when I am saying being real, I think people say that when you don't just show the glamorous side, when you show like the in-between, the mundane, like the challenge, the juggle, which I think makes up the majority of our time on this planet. And then like the gloss is like the 2%, Mm. but sometimes we hyper magnify the 2%. And I just, my response to this lady was, if you liked it by seeing it through me, there's a responsibility for you to now show that, to show that exact thing. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm, Totally. I think another really beautiful thing about this trip and that we don't often allow ourselves to do is because there was no purpose, like we weren't actually there for work, it meant that the networking wasn't to get anything from each other or to like there was no objective, even of learning. Like we knew we would automatically learn things and have revelations, but because it wasn't like a retreat for relaxing, it wasn't a retreat for working, it wasn't a retreat for learning. Mm. I don't think you very often allow yourself to do stuff that doesn't have a purpose because it's got to be worth your time. But it meant that we all just made relationships not through what we could do for each other. And I Mm. think that's really interesting as well because usually it's formed through that kind of connection, but we were all just there. And, you know, coming back to that quote, like, may as well be here, it was like, well, once we got there, we were like, let's just be where we are. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, all of our shit stinks. Like, you guys actually got to witness that mine does. Like, we- oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, you know, movement is an incredible lubrication. Of the <laughs> movement. Yeah. yeah, and also, like, the gut-brain connection is, like, no joke. The gastrointestinal tract is incredibly sensitive to strong and new emotions as well as movement. So, like, anxiety, fear, anger, nerves can mm. all start to trigger responses in our stomachs now I think by this point Sarah like was coping fine she just needed to go and do a big old poo <laughs> Sarah's like, I'm in the poo. and initially she says it's middle of the hike and we're on this like little summit and I'm like mate like I don't think the spirits are going to appreciate you no. on this particular point no. bad juju <laughs> if you do that Sarah such bad juju but that. I was like guys yeah. I, I mean like nature is caught co- like what do I do like I can't help yeah. the, the spirits will understand it's my you moment of need it. you can actually feel in the space when it's like no, 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 like I've got a hold at this moment. Totally. But then all of a sudden, like it gets like be like an hour later and Sarah's like, I'm still holding. <laughs> and so somehow she just like marches off ahead of everyone on this single file, incredibly exposed, no trees, and she she just goes up. She starts to go up like the mountain. Yeah, <laughs> we're commentating at this point, Sarah. You don't know, but we're on the hill watching going, go down. Go down the hill and you're like marching <laughs> like you're going onto a display screen. <laughs> oh, my God. And, like, I could hear the drone also going around. I was like, oh, my God. But I think the most liberating thing about the whole environment is when you are living in such close quarters with people without your normal stuff, you just get, like, you cannot hide mm. who you are and what your body's doing. And it's actually, like, I didn't even care by that moment because I was like, eh, you know, we're all kind of humans. And I think that was just one of the coolest things of mm. removing time, removing objectives, removing any kind of facade of work you or relationship you and all just being ourselves while we ate together every day and weed together every day and, like, yeah. you know, we're at the campfire looking at the stars every day and reflecting mm. every day. It was just so special. Watching the moon rise. It's 
Oh God, yeah. me too with that one. <laughs> <laughs> that was a three of us, wasn't oh, it? It was. I was like, yeah, I think that was the moment that I really let my my three of us start watching um Sam and who who was Haley Haley yeah. I was Haley and Sarah were out outside our tents watching the moonrise and Sam heard me moving inside my tent and goes Jojo come out come out and watch the moonrise and I walked out and they're standing arm in arm I put my arm around Sam she put her arm around me and I went shh and she goes what I go shh and they paused thinking that I was trying to steal this really like significant moment of peaceful time and I just dropped the biggest fart (laughs) (laughs) I literally thought that I was getting in trouble for interrupting the moment like I thought you were like shut up like the spirits (laughs) and I was like now I have arrived like now you know me you know like once I've I've broken the space so (laughs) it was like um the way you were describing before Sarah like one word just kept coming into my mind and it's like primal yeah. Like you're uh, going back to the root of what humankind was kind of like here for, besides the fact that we weren't fornicating with each other, besides that part. Everything else. I mean, it was only five days though. I mean, if you'd left us to our own devices, we would have figured it out. Yeah. I know there was lots of talks of vibrators. <laughs> but you know what else was really lovely was that we were walking on land that's like 70,000 years old. It's some of the oldest formations being guided by representatives of the oldest culture of the world. And even like my body, you two are more used to it. My body is not used to walking that many Ks a day, but just the sort of stillness of just repetitive motion of just walking, I can't even explain how much your brain goes through while you're doing that. We went through periods of intense revelation to just like laughter, to just dead silence like a couple of times in the day there were eight people plus the two guys who were there who were awesome who were videoing and taking photos but also part of the group none of us talked sometimes for hours at a time and like you never get that stillness but also while your body's moving and I don't know it was just amazing like I I don't really have words that like you said Joe don't sound wanky to describe it but it's like meditation though like it's it's a really cool experience where you get to you start chasing thoughts and 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 that magic moment is then when you notice what your brain's doing and you become this kind of external viewer watching your brain bounce around filling this space that you so rarely have in day-to-day life and you're just going wow this is hilarious or you know and then or you might get onto a really good thought that would happen sometimes and it was like delicious and you just let yourself sink into that while you're hiking and yeah just like munching down on this amazing you know dream you're having and you or like for me I'm just solving the world's problems like I'm thinking oh I could do this or I could do that you know and it's like often you come up with some of your your great ideas in those moments and and the the opposite is when you hit the hard times and Sarah I don't walk normally I run a lot so I actually found that physically challenging as well having a heavy I'm sure Sam did too having a heavy pack and hiking my legs were tired and I was ready to stop some days and so then noticing my negative self-talk and trying to work on that and and trying to catch that and redirect it and reorient it and just neutralize it you know Mm, was really um a, a great gift because that's what we bring back that's an application we use in work and life and Mm. and love as well so I you know that's all stuff you get from silence I was about to say silence like it doesn't really play a very big role in our day-to-day lives where it maybe should maybe one of the things that I took back was that obviously being a podcaster and, and a host like I talk all the time and then because I like to actualize experiences through talking that I'm talking in my personal life as well but when you allow silence beautiful things happen and I think because we often feel like we need to fill those silences the other thing that I really loved learning about Indigenous culture was that there's a really big concept of it's not your story to tell which we kind of ended up laughing about a little bit at the end but you know if it's not your story you don't have to always be explaining things and you don't have to know everything about everything and like I'm sure we all got frustrated a few times when we were like tell me about this land and Parula who was Jungler the elder's uh, grandson he'd say I can't this is not my family's land I can't speak about this and we're sort of like well we've come all the way out here and I want to know what this land is and I want to know the story so tell me but I like that the discretion of like you don't have to talk about everything and understand everything 
It was kind of nice. Yeah, it was. I think the way Perula guided us was why we were silent. I think if we were left to our own devices, we would have gone into our default settings of chattering through, thinking that that's a way of connecting. And I think he kind of made us reflect on the fact that when all you're doing is talking, that's all you're hearing. Um, and so that's why we we went out with them. Like, I really feel like there were so many little life lessons that you may not incorporate every element into your everyday life. But even recently, I've been saying either that's, that's not my story to tell, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> or if I do say it, I, I kind of definitely flag it by going, I, I'm going to share this part. I think, I think in this context, like I have permission to share it because sometimes you do need to pass on bits of information mm. uh, but to kind of mm. be aware that the message is getting diluted every single time someone passes on a piece of that story and making sure that it never gets to a point where like you telling someone else's story is you getting involved in gossip and bitch or negative narrative for whatever reason um and i because i recently went through a thing a while ago where i was like sometimes people don't know the great things that other people do so i might share it so like you know this person said this and they and i thought that that was really great because particularly when i did it in the context of this person said a really beautiful thing about you the other day. They might not have told you, but they told me and, and yeah. I could see how it would make that other person feel. And now I'm just in my day-to-day life. I'm like, okay, so is that overstepping a boundary? Yes, I had good intentions behind it, but was that maybe not mine to tell? <laughs> <laughs> but like, I like the thought of it now. Like that's what experiencing other cultures is all about. Like you, every time you go to a professional development conference, like it's not like you're going to come out a carbon copy of that particular experience or that culture or that set of thinking, but you go, okay, well, what in that works really well for my life that allows me to create my own formula and my own set of guidelines on how I want to live my life connected to my values and my integrity. Yeah. Um, yep. And so that's what I like. I like being shaken up to think differently. And it was so interesting when um, Perula first told us to shut the fuck up (laughs) without using those words, but that's how my internals interpreted it. Like I was being told off as a school kid and he even did like the um, mirroring action. He like pointed to the eyes, pointed to the heart and then did a zip of the lips. And I did, I gutturally felt like, oh, I'm I'm naughty. naughty. I I shouldn't be talking. Now my inner side felt like I want to defend, I need to justify. And then I was like, sit with that uncomfortableness and that's okay. It's mm. actually freaking okay to be uncomfortable that maybe you said the wrong thing or and you can hold space for it. And um, I, I went on a hiking trip to Tasmania earlier this year and I actually do like to hike in silence, uh, particularly when I'm in the hurt locker. And I think a lot of people try and wipe away their pain through conversation. And whilst conversing is amazing, it's sometimes okay to be with it and to like sit with struggle sit with challenging emotions and to not always wipe them away straight away. Like we're quite capable and that's actually something that builds up our resilience to kind of deal with it. Mm. Um, and so sometimes in that silent moment, because we have someone I hike with is like, what do you love so much about hiking? And they were asking a zillion questions. And I was like, sometimes the silence. (laughs) (laughs) Just quickly interrupting today's episode to take you back to what you now know is my earliest hometown of Warrigal. You may have seen our recent Yays of Our Lives trip there with women in Gippsland and one of the incredible local businesses I had the privilege of meeting and falling in love with was Aussie Wool Comfort. You've probably gathered already that I deeply appreciate the impact of our choices as consumers and highly value shopping with Australian-made, family-owned businesses who showcase the best of our beautiful home here in Australia. I also value anything that enhances sleep quality and makes bedtime feel cosy, so it took absolutely no convincing to make the swap to Aussie Wool Comfort's range of bedding products. I literally drove home with a bootful. I think there's a picture somewhere of me with a whole bootful of goodies. The range is made from 100% pure Aussie wool with natural cotton Japara outers and is chemical-free with natural fibres giving us an allergy-free, deliciously fluffy quilt for all year round. 
We loved it so much that then recently we added the under blanket to top our mattress and wrap us up in a fluffy wool sandwich. Oh my gosh, it's so cozy. And of course, couldn't go past the dog bed for Paul. Those come in four sizes and are machine washable. Oh, so your fur babies can also enjoy the comfort and warmth of wool without overheating. I'll pop the link in the show notes so you can check out the full range and score yourself the soundest sleep with Aussie Wool Comfort. And the team have very generously given us 40% off everything, excluding the pet beds and gift vouchers, if you use the code Sarah40 at the checkout. Do yourself a favor and jump online. The link is in the show notes. Everything you're saying, like it's so yogic, you know, the Dalai Lama talks about enlightenment, not being sitting on a mountaintop completely free of thought with this completely empty mind. It's about being able to so constantly notice what your mind does and, and what you do. And when you're talking about that and when you're talking about how you noticed that you were angry and you were, you know, your ego was kind of getting challenged when you felt naughty and, and when you, you start to reflect in everyday life, oh, was that my story to tell? Should I think about that? To me, we're just getting so much closer to becoming enlightened people, you know, to mm. travelling the earth in an enlightened way, which is simply, in other words, self-awareness. You know, and the more we embed ourselves in these situations and allow ourselves to experience things in this surrendering way, the more enlightened we become because the more we re-enter life and just start going, oh, that kind of ties to something I felt on that trip. You know, I, I, like what does, that, what does that behavior do? Am I telling that story? Why am I feeling my ego challenged by this? And, you know, it, it, it helps us grow in so many ways. Totally. I think uh, the quote that I used before this quote of the A, obviously, <laughs> was a mind stretched by a new experience can never go back to its old dimensions. And I love that because you really feel your brain actually stretching as you see new ways of doing things and think about like there's that sort of confronting discomfort, processing, acceptance, surrender process. You could see us all going through each day at different points. Is there any way that you found your mind stretched from this particular experience that you will never be able to go back from, like your biggest takeaway of like, wow, I won't be the same because of that. Mine would be to touch on that one I spoke about earlier of, of really having to sit in that uncomfortable place of deeply being myself around people I don't know and, and wanting to get away from that. And mm. I have returned with a level of self-assurance about owning who I am in, in my circles and, and trusting that that won't be for everybody and, re, you know, returning to that old adage, you know, that's not my people. If I'm not for them, they're not my people and being yeah. okay with that because what this trip taught me is that when I am myself, you know, there will be people who, who love that and who will support me and who I will give back to and that is enough and I think I'm never going to go backwards on that. I'm going to keep challenging. It's not going to be easy for me because I've spent a lifetime of not doing that. But I think that I'm very committed to showing up in my leadership, at work, you know, in every environment when I'm presenting, when I'm teaching, when I'm raising my kids at PTA meetings, like I'm going to show up with me. <laughs> and I think, yeah, that's Oh, Joe, that's so beautiful. You're so articulate. <laughs> yeah, except when I'm dropping the F-bomb constantly. <laughs> <laughs> or farting in my face, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Sammy? Oh, I think um, there was a lot of juicy stuff out of it. And I definitely, I actually came out incredibly um, energised um, from an experience that sometimes people think that you might come back exhausted. Um, mm. I didn't feel that way. Like I... If I hadn't have done that, I don't think I'd be working on the projects that I'm working on now that I think because I created space for myself, I could start to see what was important. And so if I was to distill that into what would I take moving forward is the importance of crafting space. Yeah. Crafting space with maybe not a clear objective, crafting space with important people on country in environments and landscapes that make me feel feel something different than what I do in my normal life. The, the power of that and also just the recognition of like, I have an incredible group of women in my life. And I think sometimes we silo our friendships to, you know, like Sarah and I, we've known each other for 14 years uh, and we went 
through university. So my, I'll, I'll preserve and protect and keep that relationship just to me and Sarah. And Joe is my running friend mm. and Kemi is my speaking friend and Haley, I do female adventurous stuff with. In fact, if all the women in your life come from vast different backgrounds, walks of life, but they hold similar values, bring that shit together. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah, because like now I'm just, it's so nice that I have like eight of my girlfriends who I adore and love and they all adore and love and call upon and love each other. And I think sometimes people can get really protective of their relationships, professional or personal, mm. and I try not to do that. Um, and this was an embodiment of me going like, you know, utilise each, you know, no one went in there with commercial objectives or personal objectives really, but, you know, use Karen for PR, like go and get training advice from Joe, get on Sarah's podcast, abundance that up. (laughs) (laughs) And I felt that. Gosh, I felt that. I felt like I walked away with seven new friends. Like I really, I really did. Like it wasn't like, oh, we're on holidays together and, you know, have a good life. I was like these and I felt that from you, Sammy. I felt that openness and and it felt fresh. Like it's like this is this is a a thing we need to build on as a womanhood. You know, mm. this, you know, there is abundance, there is lots of seats at the table. And um, yeah, I think it's you you really got a ball rolling. And you can Go-go see friend. that from like how many women reached out being like, how can we do this? When can we come? And it's so exciting, Sammy, that Her Trails is turning into something, which kind of leads into the next section of Yeighborhood Watch, really cool things that are happen- happening out in the Yeighborhood, three of which are related to you, Sam, which is no great surprise, really. Once anyone knows, Sam, that you- usually all the cool things in the Yeighborhood are related to you somehow. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> so talk us through, A, how you know, people in the future might be able to get involved in these kinds of experiences, B, what you two in particular are going back to do, and C, the third incredible thing that you have both been working on that we can all get involved in in the next couple of weeks. I definitely think one of my strengths is corralling people in my life to to move in a certain direction. (laughs) (laughs) But, again, it's all values-driven, you know. Like I think... um, even a broader level, I think people want to have space. They want to have a solution to something. They want to have a way to be involved. They just don't always know how to do it. So, mm. um, okay, so first one, are we going to be doing more of these experiences? Well, as I said, it wasn't like the intention to necessarily do that, but afterwards I was like, oh, we have got, we've like, we've got the most incredible suppliers. We know the best accommodations. Um, this has to be experienced again for people to create their own formula of how this looks. So. You know, like Joe and I do, I was like, oh, okay, well, cool. The last opportunity in the season, um, it would be August before it goes too hot in uh, the Lara Pinta. So, yeah, we're hosting another retreat for her trails. Uh, it basically the exact same thing, you know, two nights uh, at a place called Oromina Homestead, which is a 600-acre property 30 kilometres away from Alice, uh, where we'll be sleeping in uh, glamping tents and having incredible food um, and moving our bodies and, you know, uh, and then sunrise hikes and sunrise, you know, sunset hikes as well, and then getting on country for three days of Lara Pinta culture and then finishing up the Hilton and doing a hot air ballooning. So that's in August. I think it's the 17th of August. Is that right, Joe? Yeah. Yeah, Joe actually has to take time off work because she's co-facilitating with me. <gasps> and <laughs> unfortunately, is- guys, there are actually no places because we're all coming back to talking. <laughs> <laughs> I want to preface it because, there, you know, if there are people who reach out to us straight away, like I want to say it's an aspirational trip because, you know, the prices of working with all these different operators, there is a, there is a price and I definitely didn't want to discount working with an Indigenous guiding group and you know, our accommodation is beautiful and you're nourished cellularly with your food, with your rest, with the, you know, the experiences that you have. Um, The fee for the seven days is $7,000. And I want to say that up front because I just Mm. want to put it out there. And it is an investment in not just you, it's an investment in the connections that you're going to make, the people that will come out in your lives and also just the opportunities that will flow from it. So it's like the MBA of adventure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> why didn't we put that on the flyer yeah, well, I like, that's well, yeah, amazing yeah I mean I just 
I made it up then, but I have been. <laughs> <laughs> because like the, this Her Trails, um, you know, organisation that, you know, you've been speaking about, Sarah, which this retreat is run out of, I really have been feeling that the three tenants out of Her Trails is allowing women to feel opportunities where they can be self-reliant, develop and harness their existing resilience and building from it, and then also finding the lightness which is like where like that joy is serum where I feel like you've been so incredible in my life of reminding like joy has to underpin every single thing that you do um, in order for us to not walk away at the end of our days on this planet and go, I just didn't allow myself to be happy, mm. oh. which is the fifth common regret that people have on their deathbed written by a book of Bronnie Ware, the five common regrets of the dying who I just heard <laughs> speak <laughs> the other day. And I adore that woman and like the, you know, the her story that she told through that book. But the first regret was, I wish I didn't let other people basically determine how I live my life. Like, wow. um, and then the fifth one is I wish I let myself be happier. And so, so often I'm like, all these things are based, based on choice. Yeah. Like, do I choose to have this experience? Do I choose to craft time for myself? Do I choose to see the lightness in this? It's all choice, everything that we do. And particularly in the privileged lives that we, we live in here, um, we can definitely say that. So if anyone is interested in doing this retreat, obviously a uh, short turnaround time, but you will be nourished on every level and we have probably the coolest swag that you're going to come out of this trip. <laughs> but I don't even tell you that because it's a surprise. <laughs> because you don't need to know everything in advance. Surprise. <laughs> yeah, we, we've already had a bunch of women who've signed up for it. There's a maximum 10 on it. So it's like it's small and it's intimate, um, very one-on-one. You know, it, we co-create the experience in the moment as well. So the, the women on so like Erica Kramer from, um, you know, the confidence queen yeah, tina towers who, i just want to say her name 20 times tina towers tina towers she's <laughs> amazing I could be a singer yeah oh my gosh i just want to go tina turner tina towers <laughs> <laughs> don't do that <laughs> don't do that okay <laughs> i saw her face looking i'm like oh okay this is one of those moments of being judged but i'm gonna keep rolling with it <laughs> it's true love true love <laughs> but i you know coming out of that i was just uh, you know, a bit of context to Joe's and my friendship, telling a part of her story. Um, is it's not your it, story babe. to tell, Sam. No, Stop. It's yours. I'm giving it to you. You'll say <laughs> so it better than mine. Ago, well, that's not true. But years ago, um, Joe created a, a, an organisation called Summit Sisters. And I was close friends with Joe back in the day when she did that, but it closed down for whatever reason. And Joe never spoke about it again. And so I, when I was creating her trails, I kind of totally forgot that Summit Sisters had ever been in existence until as I'm like crafting the project and she goes, I've got all this material. And I'm like, why do you have all this material? Like, why have you written documents and documents and documents? <laughs> She's like, you know, Summit Sisters. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there are people in your close community that offer so much more depth of resource and wisdom. Mm. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like we can stand on the shoulders of giants and our giants are our friends and our people that we choose to be aligned with. Uh, and we can cut time dramatically and, like, get shit done. Absolutely. And, Which um, both of you have been doing as well with the experience at kind of the other end of the spectrum. So one is quite intimate and curated and the next one is, like, as many people around the world as we can get on board. Talk us through that. Hit it, Joe. You know what we're talking about. Okay. So this is really, I feel like Sam should be talking to this, so I'll, I'll briefly introduce Sam. But... <laughs> Let me introduce Sam, like she needs that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so late last year, if anyone was under a rock, Sam and, and Nick Davidson, who I think you know, Sarah. Um, oh, yeah. they, um, Might have met him before. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, they founded the relief run like in, it felt like 30 seconds to rushed to the aid of the Australian bushfire victims who were really struggling and raised 1.1 something million dollars for the Australian Red Cross bushfire appeal. Um, and then obviously Sam has huge ties to India after her Run India project and has always had her heart there ever since. I think you've been there like six times, Sammy. And so we're all watching India really suffer at the moment, like in a way that is quite there. I don't. I don't have language for it. I, all I do is cry when I see it. Um, mm. And it's. And I know Sam and I have been in tears looking at stuff together recently. It's. It's genuinely heartbreaking. And so, Sam's just called it and gone. We're bringing back the relief run. And she called me and said, "I want to do this. I need help." And so I called my people <laughs> and said, "Sam wants to do this. She needs help." And we've pulled together a cracking little team. And um, yeah, I'll hand over to you, Sammy. 
Oh, I mean, this is why we're in partnership and this is where an example of like together we can tell the story um, because we all have different like elements that bring it together. And I think yeah, like India is in the grips of just a, a crisis that they can't overcome on its own. Uh, and that's not kind of being this white saviour complex. It's actually like a community is going through significant suffering right now and Australia and particularly a lot of other countries in the world are not in that depth of crisis mm. and we can all lend support to each other. You know, what we're seeing on the media, like I feel like if you're not paying attention, you won't even know and probably all you're hearing about is the, you know, Australians who are in India and need to get home, yeah. which obviously is an issue. But what about the people who can't get out, who are caught in that situation day in, day out? Um, and so like for anyone who's kind of like data oriented, um, they have officially listed that over 26 million cases of COVID have been recorded in India, which is the more than the population of Australia. Mm. And 4,000 people minimum have died every single day over the past three weeks. And it's said to be a gross underestimate. And there's a whole lot of reasons why that's a gross underestimate from the fact that they don't have COVID testing in the rural communities. Yeah. They don't have hospitals. They don't have facilities. Facilities. People aren't on the census. Um, there's so many reasons why that's not right. Mm. We're also going to have a whole generation of children that are orphaned. Mm. And it's not just the elderly like it was in Australia. You know, I spoke to a friend today who's an Australian Indian. She was born in India. And she said in the last month, four of her family members have died in India and two of them are in their 50s. Mm. When the oh. resources medically are already stretched across the board in India, but even far more stretched in rural communities when something like this happens like they just can't cope it hurts my heart that we're not seeing this more because when australia was going through a crisis and it was of course the bushfire crisis was huge but and not to compare the two but it was all over the news not just in australia but everywhere like we had so many americans who came on board to the relief run because their news cycle 24 yeah. 7 was the australian bushfire crisis we're not seeing that here. And like my question too, and if anyone in media is listening to this, why is that? Why can one community have, sorry, I'm getting my soapbox. Um, why can one community, like we hear, I'm like trying to get a bit lighter. And it's like, seize, seize the yay. No, but like, why, why is that? Are we desensitized because we need to, to be able to cope with the fact that it's so unfair what's happening? Or did we see so many like poverty stricken photos of Indian children when we were younger through a lot of, you know, child sponsorship campaigns that to cope with those images we just kind of say oh that's what happens in india and it's too big a problem and it's not my problem mm. but i'll put it forward to people that india accounts for one sixth of the world's population um and if you're not getting some invoices paid right now i'll tell you probably because the teams are in india we are so inextricably linked to india if not professionally definitely personally uh and so whether you jump on board with a relief run i just which i would love you to do think in your life who may be connected to India and if they're based in India, reach out to them because there's nothing worse when you feel like you're going through crisis and overwhelm, both personally, medically, economically, to feel alone. Mm. Yeah, that's it. I, I don't know a more apt way of saying, but for the grace of God, go I in this. You know, Absolutely. we are so fortunate to be where we are and to be born into the place that we are born into. These people did nothing to deserve what they're going through and there's nothing about us that's better than them you know like that could be them and if we were them we would expect and pray and hope that someone would come to our aid and I really think COVID's taught us one thing it's that you know we are really one global family we've got all these ridiculous borders that we put up in our world and say here's the line this is ours this is yours but we are one humankind and I know it sounds cliche but I think COVID's taught us that more than anything and we Absolutely. really do need to stop turning to the media for what matters most and we i feel like we've got a responsibility to educate ourselves on that and we all put blinkers on and and i'm so guilty of this as well of just looking at what's directly in front of us as we all over schedule and put one foot in front of the other and so a big ask here is just to take the blinkers off look at this like it's hard to look at but it's mm. the least we can do mm. is to look at it and then think like how can i help this in in one way because it is those micro actions for for mass change and this is going to be the only way this gets done and i think that is so important the micro actions thing because what it can be really 
not not what can be a big obstacle to people actually doing something i think relief run last year showed all of us how willing people are to do something to help it's just that often they're so overwhelmed about which vehicle is going to be the right way to do it it either is like if my donation isn't massive, it's not going to have an impact or who do I donate to or where's it going to go and all those kinds of things. And I think Relief Run made it really simple. It makes it really simple to jump on board and do what you can with what you have, where you are, anywhere in the world. You can go for a run, you can go for a walk. Like it's just, it really simplifies something that's really overwhelming. But the willingness, I think, is there much more than you would expect. It's just giving people a way to show that. And so my recommendation for this week is sign up, sign up. The website is live. It's the longer weekend. So the 11th to the 13th of June. So a couple of weeks away. And there is really no excuse not to, because you don't have to be in a particular place. Like explain the actual logistics of it, Sammy. Yeah, it, there's a, this time we've added a few more flavours to the uh, offering. Uh, we have a 3K kids run. We have a 5K, 10K and 21.1 kilometre. And then you can also be a badass and do uh, what we call the trifecta, which is Joe's inclusion. Um, which is, <laughs> It's just for Joe. <laughs> it's just for Joe. You can do the 5, 10 and 21 kilometre over the entire weekend uh, and that's the trifecta. And um, that's a pretty amazing challenge uh, to kind of get that all in over the weekend. But as um, Sarah said, it's anywhere, anytime. Uh, and what made this so big last time is that a lot of group runs happened. And so, like, people said, okay, hey, I'm going to meet you at Saturday a.m. at Albert Park, 10 a.m. Let's go and do a half marathon or a 10K. And then they shared it with their communities and more and more. And we had community events all over the world. And we've definitely had a lot of teams set up and we do that through the back end. And then people can align their individual registration to that team in a drop-down menu. Um, and it allows you then once you get the results to kind of go, okay, well, where's the CZA team? And you can actually go, the CZA community collectively did X amount of kilometres mm. and we raised X amount of dollars. Like that's what our community's like impact was. Uh, and then we can also give you the data of like, so X amount of dollars, that's how far it goes into this circumstance. Um, so it's $50, mm. um, you pay the registration fee and then the relief fund gives it as all of it all of it to a donation to World Vision Australia's India COVID-19 appeal. And because I have run across India and worked in partnership with World Vision, I think I'm in a position to say hand on heart that money goes to the people on the ground. Um, you know, World Vision have had one of the longest standing imprints within India and working with the community. In fact, when they fund a community, they stay there typically 20 years. And at the beginning, like they're heavily involved and they hire staff members from the area, they train them, they skill them. By the end of the 20 year cycle, like the community is completely running it, calling all the shots. And it might just be like they get, you know, the financial contribution and a little bit of guidance or expertise where they need it. And then they, they run it on their own. So they're there for the long haul, not just in these moments of crisis. Um, I've spoken to a lot of my friends who work for World Vision India on the ground. And it's, it's that's what's also like I'm holding on to because they're sick or their family members are sick and they're still working, like trying to do something for their broader community. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot, but I can also say like $50 goes such a long way in these communities. And if anyone has a corporate organization that wants to get on board, because we're a nimble, small team, we can <laughs> facilitate for you to make it a tax deductible donation. We'll set up a promo code in the back end that allows you to then register your individual um, participants. But it might work for the corporate group. So, you know, Qantas might want to, you know, A and Z, you know, St. George <laughs> Bank. <laughs> I don't want to name names, but I'm going yeah. to. <laughs> well, I mean, to name names, and I think we should applaud businesses that move really quickly because often bureaucracy gets in the way of swift mm. movement. AI Australia has like totally just dominated this they i sent the ceo damon uh damien a text <laughs> message at 7 or 8 p.m on a friday night going hey i'm going to create the relief run i know you've got team members in india um no pressure but let me know if you want any affiliation i got a text message at 7 a.m on saturday morning and he's like we're in let's chat and so over the weekend we chatted on the monday morning he's like i've just got you got you to have a meeting with a few people and so I'm eating my bolognese over like a Zoom session, all of a sudden realise it's like the heads of all like the countries. I'm like, hey, bolognese. <laughs> <laughs> bolognese sitting away. And they were just like, okay, what can we do? Like 
I think Korea's gotten on board Samsung. I think like they might have got their global ambassador on board, Mr. Beckham, but we'll see what oh, happens. Oh, David there. Beckham. Mic drop. May have been writing some talking notes to him the other night. <clears throat> Wasn't. <yeah. clears throat> it's not my story to tell, Sam. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not, not my, my story, story to tell. tell. <laughs> Although it's totally my story to tell. It is totally your story to tell. <laughs> not our story to tell. Yeah. <laughs> but a long story short, like we all can play a little part. And um, it's also really fun to move together. Um, it's actually like you'll benefit from going out for a 5K run on a Saturday knowing that it's going to a good place and you're a part of something that's, you know, bigger than yourself. So get on board with LiveRun.com, you. <laughs> You've become a singer this episode. I know. I just wanted Joe to tell me off again. It kind of feels nice. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be good at everything, girl. <laughs> Do you know that I was the leader of the Sopranos when I was at high school? It was a, a year level of 49, so they might have been like scraping at the barrel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you guys are absolutely amazing. Thank you so, so much for joining and sharing so much wisdom and laughter and joy and everyone in the neighborhood it would just be so wonderful if you could rally around Relief Run and show your support and also have an amazing time like you will meet such great people last year we had so many new friends come and join at the lake and we'll include details um, across our socials of how you can get involved and some of the community runs that you can maybe tack on to as well I can already tell you one because I even though I didn't ask for permission, um, I've created Seize the Yay as um, a, a group that you can sign up to. <laughs> so if you're hearing this through the podcast, feel free to sign up through to Seize the Yay. Uh, you do, yeah, you're a, I did it. You're a group. Yeah, yeah. It's a thing. <laughs> you know, just do what we can and have, have a lot of fun. Like it's just such a nice excuse to see people. Amazing. Thank you so much, my loves. We'll chat soon. Oh, thanks for having us. I'm actually quite surprised that we fitted that into an hour, even though it was meant to be half an hour. We could have gone for days if we'd been able to. Maybe lucky for you guys that we didn't. Such incredible women. I feel so lucky to call them friends, and I'm sure you can imagine how amazing the other five women on our trip were. I mean, we barely touched on them for all our gas bagging, but you'll actually hear from a few of them as well in the coming weeks. One of them you've already heard from, Kemi Nekfapil, who's also been a guest before. Please do consider registering for relief run you can walk run or even do nothing at all with us on the weekend of the 11th to 13th of june but your registration alone can make such a huge impact and i've popped some practical information breaking down what that 50 dollars can do in the show notes along with the registration link we'll be doing a community run in person in melbourne again like we did last year that i would love to see some of you at and we'll share in the facebook group when details are finalized in the meantime i hope you're having a wonderful wonderful week and a seizing your yay.